Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Before we get into this episode, which is riveting? Oh, I mean, there's beatboxing, there's crooning, <laughs> there's a it's, lot it's going on. It's got it there. all, folks. <laughs> Daniel sticks his head in a tiger's mouth. Yes. Okay, that did, that doesn't happen. But yeah, it's Maybe pretty good. Drawing. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's no, it's really good. And you know, some other podcasts that are really good, we pulled them all together. And we made them a part of our Lifeway Leadership Network. So you will be blessed and amazed if you will check out some of those podcasts. Yeah. So go to leadership.lifeway.com slash podcasts to see who else is a part of our network. And this month, we're doing a book bundle giveaway. So you can enter that draw and also immediately download an ebook as well if you text leadership to 888 That's leadership to 888 now let's listen to today's episode. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Jason Day. <laughs> he did it. And our <laughs> guest today is Daniel M. Hello, hello. I was just kidding. It's uh, there's it's something like that. It should be a good time today, folks. Yes. Are you going to croon? Croon? <laughs> what do you mean? You know, oh, like little Frank Sinatra. Oh, I... I potentially could. I don't know a song. Well, you have it, my way, my way. Oh, that was you know, part of my sermon on Sunday. I okay. <laughs> no, legit. <laughs> I have done two different funerals where they played "I Did It My Way" by Frank Sinatra. I'm not joking. Wow. And I'm like, it's not that's a, a good pretty legacy. bold. It's <laughs> a pretty right. bold move. Yeah, it's not a good song to <laughs> to be no. heading out on, right? Nope. <laughs> I'm like, really. Okay, let's close in prayer. Was it a Christian <laughs> funeral? Uh, suppose, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> wow. All right, then. I did the eight ball, and it said signs point to yes, so <laughs> I treated it that way. I did ask the family, talk to the family. One of them was, you know, super solid, but they did have a very strong personality. Mm. And so the family was like, we can't think of a better song to end the funeral on than you, I did it my way. And I was like, you can't? <laughs> I mean, I was younger, and so I probably would have put up more of a fight. I should have put up more of a fight. Oh, you did the funeral? Yes. Oh, I God. performed the, I performed <laughs> not worse, one, man. two you funerals. You were the pastor. Yes. Yeah. You can shape that. Believe me, I worked on it. I worked on it pretty hard. And right. no. Yeah. And the, I'll tell you one more really quickly. During that funeral... The funeral home. I If you run a funeral home and are listening, how are you not good at this? I've had so many instances where they mess up the music or they do. I'm like, you yeah. guys do this. This is the, you have one thing that you do. You should be really good at it at this point. That funeral, the family had made a CD and the CD did not play. And this is in the early days of this is the first version iPhone. And I pull out my iPhone, play Frank Sinatra's I did it my way, and pull the microphone down. Oh, my. I'm not joking. Nice. I'm not joking. Pulled it down from the podium. So you DJ'd for the funeral as well. I also DJ'd. <laughs> nice. Pastor and DJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, this is that's leadership. Yeah, that's right. Leadership. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to improvise. 
Yeah. Don't they talk about leadership in jazz and Yes. So there you go. It Max fits. Dupree. Is it Max Dupree or Yeah, Leadership Jazz. Yeah. There you go. He's got some good good stuff. All right. Well, we're gonna be doing the five uh the five questions. But Todd, who is Jason Day and why is he here at Lifeway live in studio in Nashville? Okay. So Jason Day and I I don't know when we became friends, but it was likely at a conference somewhere. And uh and so I don't know, we just kind of hit it off and have always um just you know, kinda it's almost like I met Barnabas. Mm. Uh okay, but is there a conference Jason versus a real Jason? Because there's a conference Barnabas. Oh yeah. Which we have talked about on this podcast. Uh, well, Barnabas requires more of a filter than most people. Okay. And that's why. Okay. But so I would say Jason and I are, have a similar, uh, um, I don't know, shtick or type of relationship. <laughs> we have a great shtick. Yeah. I don't think you should ever refer to what you're doing as a shtick. Well, <laughs> that's it's good. It's we're, we're, we're basically sitting at a conference and like Statler and Waldorf from The Muppet Show, we're just like, Looking at everything, people watching, doing the whole thing, and just trying to crack each other up. You know the two old guys on yeah, yeah, no, I the know. Muppets, yeah. <laughs> you have a similar mission and purpose. Mission and purpose. I've only had one. Yes. I've, I've only had, what was that? Was that the mission and purpose <laughs> I, I song right love, there? I love no, the sound effects. Getting That's to good. Turn off my phone. It means somebody's outside my garage right now. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, so I don't know. I guess it would be a, it's a thing. It's a yeah, thing. it's a thing. We have so that common Jay- thing. So Todd, who is When Jason? he's not doing his thing, <laughs> when, when, when we're not together at a conference, which only happens like once a year, twice a year maybe, uh, he is business development at Outreach. VP no? of mobilization. VP of mobilization. You're close. <laughs> Super close. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, and host of the Church Leaders podcast, yeah, which we recommend. That. Yeah, we highly recommend. And Church Leaders, uh, he does a ton of stuff there with outreach. Uh, has a background in pastoral ministry and producing children. Yeah, <laughs> which he has six <laughs> kids in six years, which I'm sure is going to come up at some point. Uh, it definitely by the time we get to our how do you lead in your home, yeah. but. So, Jason, if you had your twins somewhere in the middle or at the beginning, do you think you would have six kids? That's interesting. We get asked that question a lot. Yeah. I always tell the girls are twins. I was like, you guys are lucky. You're lucky you came five and six. <laughs> um, but, yeah, God knew what was up. Yeah. yeah right? So he's, he snuck them in at the end. So, yeah, six kids in six years. It's a party, man. There you go. Well, I am looking forward to our fourth question where we're going to be talking about leadership in the home. But why don't we get started off with the first one. Jason, who are you learning from? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I uh, there are a couple books that I, I've read recently. And one of the things I like to do is, and I know you guys do this as well, is you kind of read outside of outside of kind of your world, right? Totally. Outside of your niche, right? And it's always because that helps us, you know, it just helps us think differently, right. kind of just expands things. So a couple books I've read uh, recently, which I highly recommend, um, one is called Super Mario, How Nintendo Conquered America. And it really talks about um, the rise of Nintendo. Absolutely fascinating. I love reading um, books about businesses or business leaders and just kind of how it all came about, right? Right. So 
Did you, did you listen to the Business Wars podcast on yeah. Nintendo? That's what I was curious about. No. Okay. Oh. No, no, no. I have not. Because they did a Nintendo versus Sony war. Oh. And, and they usually, I mean, it's it's a great listen. Right, right. They usually use books like that one that to base the entire story off of. And someone who wrote a script off of it. Exactly. They did role playing and. That's all. No, I haven't. I'll have to check that out. So, so the uh, so that book is absolutely incredible. If you just want to um, uh, just dig in, and it's written so well, but just kind of kind of understand how that whole you know the entire history of it. it's fa- absolutely fascinating. That's cool. And then the other book that is kind of in the similar world. I don't know if you guys have read it. It's called Console Wars. Nope. And that is Sega, Nintendo, and the battle that defined a generation. That book, uh, seriously, guys, you have to read yeah. these. They they're both very very s- similar, and they're talking about that that world of video games, yeah. and just absolutely fascinating as to how, um, you know, the decisions that were made, good decisions, poor decisions, um, to to really kind of and, and the one console wars is pretty wild because it's Nintendo against Sega, mm. and as we know, Nintendo's still crushing it Sega yeah. not so much yeah. so lots of lessons okay yeah. okay okay let's let's deviate here for a moment because I would say Nintendo wasted an opportunity or didn't capitalize or something went wrong when I guess it was a year or two ago that uh, the new the Super Mario app came out and like right. It spiked massively because I think Apple did their release in connection with it and blah, blah, blah. But it was so but, expensive. Yeah, and it just like went because everybody had it. It's kind of like Pokemon Go almost yeah. too. But that's – just mean, like that's, huge spike and then – That's how it goes though. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, Jason, were you a gamer then growing up? Not really. So what, That's what, what's fascinating. So, yeah, yeah. So why, do you, why are you so interested in the, the console video game system? Um, I actually – the console wars was recommended to me okay. um, by someone. And so I jumped into it and they knew that I, I really like to read kind of these um, history of, you know, different industries or right. different businesses or business leaders and kind of see how they navigated. Yeah. Um, Cause I think there's so much that we can, can learn from that obviously. So it was recommended to me and my, I devoured it. Literally I read it in, in probably two days yeah. and I was like, is there anything else out there? Yeah. Honestly, okay. you know, you know, okay. that happens, right? For so, sure. so I started uh, searching and and came across the Super Mario book and uh, read that one as well, and in just a couple of days. And man, it was it what was so cool. And and this is what I try to think of, and as as I'm teaching and coaching, talking to pastors, one of the things that really focus upon is, you know. Um, life happens, you know, at life speed, right? So it's. Uh, as much as we plan and prepare, which we definitely need to do, you know, mm-hmm. we need to pray, plan, prepare. But as much as we do all of that, there are going to be things that just occur. Yeah. They're, you know, completely out of our control or just unexpected or whatever it might be. And so um, I, I think there's a lot to learn from how other leaders, you know, wherever it might be. It can be in the church world, business world, corporate world, whatever, how they navigated either well or not so well, yeah. right? And there are lessons to take away from all of that. And, you know, it's it, the, I, I love reading books that are written kind of as a narrative, almost reads like a novel, you know what yeah. I mean, as, as it all unfolds. So there's there's some drama and intrigue around it. Yeah. And um, and so so I, I think those, those are a couple of places that recently have really kind of been, 
helping kind of shape and make me think through, you know, innovation or how to mm. respond to, um, to to challenges and difficulties that arise. Yeah, because those companies, they all they all ran into so many roadblocks. True. I and mean, what what surprised me most about that story was how Nintendo and Sony were going to release a console together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were teaming up. Yeah. For a long Nintendo time. Nintendo just backed yeah. out and went a completely different route. I'm just like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. do, you, do you even think PlayStation and our graphics would be what they were today? I don't uh, know. Yeah. Because I think it, it was good for Sony that yeah, it didn't it end up happening. Yeah. Right. And probably good for all the gamers out there. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty, pretty fascinating how they, you know, all those players in that world were just trying to figure it all out. I'll tell you another since we're on this, another cool book. It's kind of in the same realm. It's called Hackers. Okay. I don't know if you've read this. No. This basically starts back at MIT. And it um, it starts with like the very first computers. Okay. And initially, the term hacker, yeah. and to some degree still, a hacker was was a positive yeah. word. You know what I mean? It wasn't like black hat hackers. It was, mm. it was these guys who were just little geniuses and seeing this computing world come together and then always figuring out, you know, how to do it better. And so the original hackers were at MIT and they were basically the guys who could figure out how to write code um, in, in smaller steps, you okay. know, how to refine code. Right. And that was hacking. Okay. Um. So then it, it, but this, this book follows from, you know, these Massive computers filling up rooms in MIT and kind of this first set of guys, you know, then it, it, it moves over to the Bay Area. Okay. So you have Wozniak and you have, you know, the, the Bay Area right. hackers or, you know, where they call themselves. They have some cool name. I forget what it is. But anyways, and they got together and they're building these computers mm -hmm. just out of pieces. And man, it follows it all the way through Apple and just, uh, just absolutely fascinating. One of the things that blew me away uh, from that and thinking back and reflecting on, uh, again, how are we, even how are we as ministers, how are we in the church world kind of really um, understanding how to respond to the world around us as it's changing so quickly? Yeah. Uh, one of the things, the innovation that that they were involved in from from the very beginning, I mean, the crazy things that, they, you know, one of these guys made this this quote unquote computer that basically could play these different, you know, it could make these different beeps, different mm -hmm. tones. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to program, you know, one of Beethoven's, you know, songs, right? <laughs> right? And so, but the thing is it didn't have enough memory to store it. So they would meet together weekly for this, you know, kind of geek club, computer hacking club right, right. or whatever. And he had to, they're all sitting there waiting and it took him like an hour and a half because he had to reprogram it there, you know, and they're running like extension cords down the halls and everything. That's and crazy. All, he turned it on and all of a sudden started playing and everyone was just blown away. They're like, wow, we can, you know, use technology to, to really right, right. do That's something cool. like, cool. <laughs> anyway, so it's kind of crazy, but it keeps us thinking as leaders, like, um, again, things move very, very quickly. And so, uh, how do, how are we, um, kind of trying to look ahead yeah. at where, at where life is going, you know, and as ministers, that's a huge thing that we're involved in, right? How are we looking ahead at, you know, how we can best, um, connect with our communities? How can we best, you know, serve the people God's called us to serve? And, and how do we lead our teams, lead our staff? And, and so it just, uh, another fascinating book. Uh, so just, that's just a few, right, right. few just off the top of my head that are you just know, fun. 
I think it's interesting, you know, when you look at, when you boil down, you know, some of the things that we're talking about that uh, these businesses do well, it's really, and even the individuals, it's all about innovation. It's about change. It's about taking what's existing and either seeing things that other people don't see that are coming down the pike in the future or taking two seemingly disparate things and combining them to make something absolutely insane that nobody saw coming, like an iPhone or whatever it is. Right. Um, but it it all boils down to change. And I, I think that's one of the principal things that um, we do as leaders is move people toward positive change. And it, it, in much like the spiritual life of ourselves, um, I think our churches are either – you're either – Growing or declining. There's not anything in between. You're either right. moving in one direction or the other. And, you know, seemingly you you may be at a standstill or plateaued, but that's not really the reality. And exactly, just yeah. like just like um, there are a lot of things that you're doing today that may seem difficult or hard or, you know, it's those disciplines over the course of time and the Sometimes it takes a long investment. It's the whole idea of, you know, the last overnight success was took 10 years. It was 10 years in the making. Um, so whether you're talking about the rise or fall of a church or organization or whatever, a lot of times it is that, okay, it, it rose or fell seemingly overnight, but it was a lot that happened before that that really led to one or the other. Yeah, no, no, I think that's good because um, it's one of those one of those things where you are kind of processing through and you're being faithful uh, a lot of times in the small things. You know, you're being faithful in, in kind of uh, what it means to be leading. And a lot of times, you know, in ministry, it feels like maybe you're, you're, you wonder, you question yourself, how much progress are we making? You know, like really, are, are we, are we moving this in some way? Yeah. And then, like you said, um, there's, there's some sort of catalyst and then suddenly there's a kind of a leap ahead yeah. and it's not like you said, it's not like it just happened that particular day. Yeah. It's, it's because of, you know, being just faithful, uh, you know, the day to day grind mm -hmm. and, and being obedient and being attentive and listening to, yeah. to how God's leading. So mm -hmm. good, good stuff. Good, good. So what's the main point of emphasis for your leadership, either with your team there, outreach or yourself? Like, what do you, what do you spend most of your time? Yeah, I think, um, what I'm investing most of my time on right now, and, and this is an outreach is, um, new ministry initiatives and how do those um, really, again, this comes back to this, this idea of kind of listening and, and observing and what is happening in the life of the church right now mm -hmm. and what is happening just in culture and how, how do we see churches being more effective in connecting and building these bridges to the community and uh, reaching people. And that, that's one of those things that's kind of a constant, you know, you're, you're always trying to, to focus, but you know, right now we're seeing a lot of, um, a lot of great things happening in citywide movements okay. here, here in North America, which is beautiful. I've done a lot of international work and internationally, it, it seems that collaboration, uh, happens a little more readily, mm. um, than it, than it tends to happen here yeah. in the U S specifically. Why do, why do you think so? Um, I think there's, I, I think 
I think really it's because in the U.S., you know, so much of of the fabric of America is um, being an individual mm. and conquering something. Mm. And I think that just naturally us growing up in, in the U.S., that's just, you know, part of our culture. Yeah. And so I think there's more of this, um, you know, we're kind of in it to win it yeah. type mentality, yeah. right? And so churches tend to— um, tend to be kind of focused on their, their ministries, yeah. you know what I mean? And maybe, maybe how their ministries impact the community, mm. but they're not thinking about how they can lock arms as much with, yeah. with others, but it's this beautiful movement right now. And, and so I'm investing a lot of time in this uh, to see how we at Outreach can come alongside and yeah. really help um, nurture mm. and um, accelerate some of these citywide movements, because you see a lot of, a lot of churches now who, you know, we're not just in the city, we're for the city. Yeah. And so that that heart for the city, churches of all different sizes coming together and um, re- really looking to see how can we impact our city together. Yeah. So it's, it's an awesome thing. Well, well, what are cool. some traits of, of successful citywide movements that you've observed? Um, I would say one, one trait is, uh, well, th- this just kind of needs to be present and it makes sense, is just, um, humility, like mm-hmm. no one's looking to take credit, okay. right? So it's yeah. it's coming to a place as pastors and saying uh, the reality is um, there are a lot of people in our city who are far from God, right? And we can't we can't on our own, you know, turn our entire city around, you know. So there's this kind of realization, mm. and uh, it sounds like it should be just you know obvious, but so many um, so many pastors um, have. It takes a lot of work to get to that place. Right. Um, and I think there are a lot of things that contribute to that. But I, th- I think just the idea of humility yeah. and then this general, the the citywide movements that are really making an impact is this kind of general um, excitement rallying around mission. Mm. You know, it's like, hey, that you know, our city is broken. You know, we've got we've got some serious issues. We have some people that uh, you know have some serious needs, and um, we have a lot of people, like I said, that are far from God. Yeah. And so, how can we rally together? So there's this sense of mission yeah. where it's not just a mission that I'm casting or vision that I'm casting for my local church, right. but now it's stepping it up and casting this, this vision for the entire city. So um, having some key leaders, you know, someone who's really passionate about that. And then some other key leaders from the city who, um, you know, they can work together, pray together, dream together and provide some leadership to the movement yeah. is, is also really important. So that's good. Uh, that's so hard. I mean, <laughs> It, it is, you know, being uh, a pastor and leader and especially, you know, because there's always going to be a couple of churches that seemingly are more strong, so to speak, than right. others, or they're going to bring, have more resources, both people and monetary, that they're going to bring to the table. And so it's really difficult to not have a pecking order that rises quickly in that Um so do you know any best practices or is it like, no, there's going to be a guy that's going to naturally be the leader. It's just everybody has to be mature enough to handle that. Or is it, no, you know, in Austin, they have like the working group mentality where it kind of rotates from year to year or. Yeah, well, I would say that in most of the CY movements, 
um, that, that I've seen mm-hmm. and been involved in that are most effective. Um, actually, the, the leadership of that kind of citywide team typically are not the pastors from like the largest, strongest churches. Okay. Um, now, it, those, do the largest, strongest churches participate? In, is the question. That's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question because in some cities they do, and in some cities they, they don't so much. Mm. Um, but the ones that are most effective are ones where those kind of um, flagship churches within the city are very supportive and do connect and are a part of it, but they're not typically, um, you know, leading it. Yeah. Now there may be someone from, usually uh, there's someone from the staff, maybe a staff pastor from some of the larger churches mm-hmm. that are part of the, the team, but really a lot of the team is comprised of, you know, pastors of, of you know, just regular churches that are out right. there, you know, doing ministry week in and week out. Mm. And I think that's that's cool because it gives uh, pastors, again, an opportunity to kind of connect. One of the things I always, um, when I'm coaching or mentoring pastors and especially church planters, you know, they're going mm-hmm. into a new area is to make sure you meet with the pastors in the area, yeah. right? Let them know that, that you respect yeah, them, so you appreciate, you know, the years of ministry they've given and that you, you're in this thing together. And I think that um, being able to do that and have those conversations is, is super important, but oftentimes insecurity or uh, lack of trust, right. uh, fear of competition, those things kind of hold those conversations back from happening. Yeah. Um, or they just can happen on a surface level at a, you know, ministerial association breakfast or whatever, but to really dig in and have those conversations. And that's why I love the citywide movement because it's one of those things where, um, you know, churches of any size can be a part because everyone's in the city, right? So you're all part of the city. You all have a a role to play and it's not, it's not a church growth thing. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily looking to, to bring a, a ton of people through your doors, um, but it's how do you get out there and how do you yeah. build those bridges? And, and uh, so, so I think it, it helps, uh, I don't want to say level the playing field, but it's, it's a more comfortable, you know, way for everyone to contribute. Right, there's, right. there's not so much this pecking order that I've seen where it's effective, you know? That's good. So That's good. my wife was the uh, volunteer coordinator for Palau, for Luis Palau for a while. Mm-hmm. And so they go into a city, you know, like D.C., and we're going to need 5,000 volunteers from all kinds of different churches. And I think one of the things that's interesting about something like that is it's an amazing opportunity for to have a citywide movement that comes in after that. But it's really imperative from my experience through her and doing some leadership, of course, she's involved, I'm involved. Um, is figuring out who some of those leaders are that have already done the hard work of having uh, relational capital with other pastors in the area. So just like what we were talking about, overnight successes are usually <laughs> right <laughs> happen over a long period of time prior to. That event may have been the catalyst, but some of the relationships were already there. So if you're wanting to start a citywide movement, then start, you know, start now investing in relationships uh, in and around your immediate area and hopefully that will then grow into something over the course of time. That's, That's what I would really encourage people to do. That's yep. good. Well, let's let's move on to our next question. Uh, Jason, think about your everyday, the, the way that you lead, the way that you live your life. 
Uh, what are two or three things that you find yourself just absolutely having to do on a daily basis and what benefit do they have for you? Yeah, great, great question, Daniel. Um, I would say that that one thing, and this is a conscious decision that I would love to say I came to decades ago, but really it was about probably about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and not to just give a church answer, but, you know, spending time with God, obviously, daily is, is key and important. But there's a shift in, 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 in part of how I did that, you know, in prayer, scripture, all that great stuff. But the shift was um, in the mornings, I, I began through to go through this um, sort of a little morning ritual okay. um, that I, I kind of called submit and commit. Mm. And so every morning... I, um, I, I go through this, um, the, the submit part, part, and really it's, um, it's, it's part of, it's just prayer, but it's very focused and it's that I'm submitting myself to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, Mm. you know, that I'd be filled and empowered and, and saturated by the spirit today so that, um, my, my conversations with my wife and my kids and my conversations, um, with, uh, my teammates, um, would, would all honor God. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's this very focused submit. So daily submission. And then, um, the commit is just really some, um, some kind of specific goals or things that I'm working on. Mm. Um, I actually kind of verbalize, um, like my commitments at that time. Um, so the submission is one piece and then kind of committing. And so I, and, and I phrase it cause you know, you've heard of like daily affirmations yeah. and like, yeah, yeah. I'm the best husband in the world, <laughs> right? Or whatever. <laughs> self talk. Yes, exactly. So, but the reality is, um, for me, uh, how I kind of phrase those things that I'm working on is it wouldn't be, you know, I am the best husband in the world. It's I commit to daily growing in my relationship with Monica, mm. right? So it's this idea of just kind of processing through. And so as I've got these, you know, goals, whether they're big goals that, you know, are kind of one-time things we're shooting for, mm. or they're just kind of those ongoing, you know, life goals as a, as a husband, as a parent, as a, you know, leader, um, going through these kind of commitments yeah. and they change, you know, over yeah. time. I mean, some, some stay really steady, but they change depending on, you know, what, what's, what's coming up, what I'm facing, uh, what I'm working on. So, so that has been, and it, it's really cool. I was, I was never much of a morning ritual guy. Mm. You know what I mean? I just, um, I, I don't have a problems with mornings, but I just, you know, didn't have something really specific aside from, you know, prayer and spend a little time in God's word and just getting up and hitting the day. Yeah. Um, but really it's, it's, it's made a difference, you know, yeah. kind of centers you a little bit. Mm. It reminds you of what's important um, and kind of helps put stuff out in front of you. So submit and commit. And, um, and so that's, that's one of the daily things that I do. Then I also, um, I, read every day and I listen to podcasts every day. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've just always been kind of this, you know, just sucking in as much information as, as possible. Yeah. And, um, but I've learned over the last couple of years uh, on that note that, um, well, let me say this. I do, I read a lot. I read probably two to three books a week. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of reading, 
Um, and of course, some of those um, are I'm listening to, right? So they're yeah. audiobooks because I'm on the go. Um, but uh, probably about, again, two or three years ago, um, I guess I need to go back and look two or three years ago what was going on in my life <laughs> because uh, some of these things are, are relatively recent. But the idea of um, rereading some books. Oh, you, for sure. You know what I'm saying? So it was one of those things where it was like, not just, ah, you know, I used to feel really, um, I don't know, proud. You know, <laughs> books I've read. Yes, exactly. I used to be like really into that. Now, uh, a lot of the books I read now is be uh, simply because of podcast or guests, you know, different, different things is kind of have to read a lot. But um, I used to always get so pumped up about, yeah, man, I'm a fast reader and I'm, a, you know, devouring things. Yeah. And then I realized that, you know, um, how much of that stuff do I remember after I've read? You know what I mean? Like whenever you jump from one book to the next, it's kind of like, um, how much, how much really soaked in. Yeah. And so rereading yeah. has become, has become, a you know, a part of my, uh, you know, my regular discipline yeah. and cadence in and life. Don't, and don't you find that when you reread a book, sometimes it feels like the first time you read it without like, a doubt, like, it's like, you've never read it before. You're like, wait a second <laughs> without a doubt. And I thought I, th- I used to always think Forever. only the Bible did that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know how the Bible, you go and you read a passage and you're like, I never saw that. Yeah. Um, which in you know, Bible's active and living and it makes sense that, that God's God's always speaking into our lives through it. Um, but you're right, Daniel. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a book and then you pick it up again, you dig in again, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. <laughs> what was I thinking first time around? Because I missed all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's interesting because I remember, um, and I've referenced it a time or two on the podcast because it was a a great book. Uh, Hendrix living by the book, you know, he's talking about how to read scripture and he, he would say, read it three times. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're the first time you're just kind of reading it for what it is. And the, it, it's really, I, and I'm not saying you read all books three times like you would the Bible. It's kind of a different book on a different level. <laughs> uh, however, when you do read um, a book, more than once or even multiple times, you're, I feel like you're always, you are always going to pull out additional insights and stuff that you just, you just didn't see before. Um, and that's one of the reasons too, while we've talked before on when we read, you know, being sure that you take good notes uh, and things like that. I mean, if you look at one of the books that both one, either Daniel or I read, they're going to have notes in the front and yeah. in the back. And so, uh, man, that's really important because sometimes you can just look at those notes and go, oh, yeah, I need to go back and read exactly. this chapter. It jogs the memory. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, uh, question number four is how on earth do you lead in your home <laughs> yes. when you have six kids in six years, six teenagers at one time? Yes. Uh, man, how are you How are you sitting here right now? Actually, my wife is the superhero. Without a doubt, right? Um, I I I do my best at leading. I could always lead better. I know that much, right? right, right. So, um, but my wife is is pretty phenomenal. I mean, six kids in six years, you know, four in diapers at a time. Um, our kids are now, you know, on kind of the older spectrum. Mm-hmm. So we had kids really young. We got married young, had kids young, and so our oldest uh, turned twenty one this year, which was just crazy. So we have. Uh, 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 17-year-old, 16-year-old twins. Five and six are twins, so that's kind of the bonus. Exactly. are you going to be, when you're an empty nester, are you going to be like early 50s? 
Um, like, are you even going to be in your 50s? I won't, yeah, we won't even be in our 50s when we're, yeah, when we're. Compared to Todd. <laughs> <laughs> baby. Yeah, that's all right. Um, yesterday in our director's meeting, you know, I'm sitting around the table with the, with uh, people at Lifeway guys that, like, there were three grandchildren born last week. <laughs> and so they were laughing or whatever. And then they were like, Todd, are you crazy? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> My Half of us have grandchildren and you're... You got a baby. Uh, you got a baby. Yeah. My wife, Monica, lots of times she'll, she'll look around and she's like, I mean, because we have friends, you know, friends yeah. that are still having babies, right? And Monica's like... I don't think I don't think I could do it at this stage of my life. I'm like, well, honey, you've already practically raised six, so you know you you don't have to think about it. But just wait for the grandkids. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's crazy. And like I said, we're we're pretty young, and but we are we're at this stage or this last year where this because it's the just natural next natural stage in life, and we're not rushing this along, you know. Uh, just in case my older, my 20, 21 year old are listening. Uh, we're not rushing this along. Um, yeah, we, we like you to, you know. Don't do as I do, do as I say. Exactly. Take your time. Take your time. But, you know, really the next, you know, stage of life is yeah. going to be like grandparents. Yeah. And so we're kind of excited about that because we, uh, we actually like, you know, we like kids. That's why we had six. Um, <laughs> well, so, so, yeah, good. Yeah, fortunately. You like something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, so how old were you when you got married then? Um, I was, I was twenty one. See, that's right. why. I, yeah, twenty one. Monica yeah. had just turned twenty. Okay, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she just turned twenty. Like, like two weeks. Yeah, I got married the month before I turned twenty one. Okay, and Christina there you go. got married, uh, and she was twenty three. She just turned twenty three. Oh. So she's a couple years older than me. The older woman. <laughs> For the longest time, I was always like, "Hey, Christina, your favorite animal's cougar." You know, yeah. Like, not we were, smart. We were, no, no, no. And then we were at the zoo looking at the cougar, and then Christina was like, "Actually, hey, kids, your dad's favorite animal is the cougar." There you <laughs> go. <laughs> there you go. She won up to you for sure. Yeah. All right. So Wait, I don't think I've answered the question. No, you haven't. I? That's so what I was trying to bring. I was trying to home. bring us back. Guys. Yeah, sure you were. <laughs> All right. Answer the question. The um, leadership in the home. So I'll tell you um, one of the things that I love to this day is I um, I drive the kids to school, you know, those that aren't driving mm. and have, have always tried to drive them to school. That was one of my things. Maki gets to pick them up, but I always drive them to school. So um, and one of the things that I always, always do is always pray with them mm. on that drive. And um, and for me, that's that's been a special time over many, many years now to, you know, be praying for them and praying f- for different things in their lives as yeah. they've grown up. And um, I'd like to think that that has been a way for me to help lead the kids and help them um, to see the importance of, you know, how God is at work in the, in the everyday stuff. You know, it's not just the big things we run to God in prayer about, but, you know, uh, jumping out of the car and going, going to school and, you know, just, you know, learning new things about his creation or whatever it might be. So um, I, I, I feel like that has been something that, 
you know, has really helped helped lead and, and hopefully shape the kids over the years. But, you know, it's it's funny is my my leadership in the um in ministry uh, and my leadership at home, there, there's some overlap there, but also it's, I, I, I approach it differently in, in some ways. Um, at home, you would think a family of eight, you know, you've got to have all these, you know, calendars and everything scheduled out and charted out. And because uh, people always have asked us over the years, always us, how do you do it with yeah. six kids in six <laughs> years, you know? And, and uh, we're always like, well, that's, it is what it is. It's life for us. It's not like, how do you do it? It is life. Um, but we are less, probably less structured at home as far as, you know, scheduling and actually having like, hey, this is the regiment, you know, how things happen. Um, it's a lot more fluid. And, and that I think has been, um, been helpful. And I think this goes back to kind of understanding your environment, you know, so at home, it's helpful would be a lot more fluid. Um, because I think it helps keep people a bit more relaxed, um, as opposed to, you know, everything charted out, um, for six kids. You should totally write parenting jazz. (laughs) You should write parenting jazz. We talked about leadership jazz. There you go. Write Parenting jazz. This is how you do it. There you go. Cause there's a lot of improvisation for sure (laughs) when you have six kids. So, um, but it's interesting to think how, you know, leading, Leading a ministry and leading a team, you know, obviously there is, um, there's some fluidity there as well. And I, I'm, I'm just naturally, I, I tend to be, I wasn't always this way, but I tend to be um, kind of more spontaneous and, and I tend to be more fluid. But at the same time, I have this, you know, kind of... Um, planning, preparation, like... Yeah, what's the end toward this? Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah... It's it's um, it's new every day. Things change, and so you have to be an adaptive leader, an adaptive right. father, mm-hmm. and understand the stage of life you're in. I'll tell you one thing, and I've shared this with gazillions of parents over the years, is this is something we didn't understand early on, um, but we we picked up pretty quickly, and that is. With six kids, they have six different personalities. You know, even the twins. You know, they're yeah. different people, yeah. <laughs> different personalities, and how you um, how you kind of lead them, how you discipline them, even um, is different with each child. And yeah. we've we've had this conversation with them so many times because um, some some of our, our kids, all you have to do is kind of look at them. You know, if they've done something, and let them know, hey, you know that that's I'm that's disappointing as a parent, mm. you know what I mean? I, I you know, um, and that's all it takes. You know, they are, they are just, you know, um, apologetic. Yeah. They're sincere about it. Then I've got some others, um, that it's not quite that. I mean, you can, you can tell me you're disappointed and it means nothing to them yeah. at, in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Now they might come around later down the road, but in the moment means nothing yeah, to them. In it, counseling. Exactly. Ex- exactly. So and you can ground them. You can, you know, yeah. take, you know, yeah. TV away from them, the internet away from them, take the phone away from the, you know, it's like, how many more things do I need to take away from yeah. you? Uh, and then, you know, and it takes time. So it's just so interesting how mm. same kids raised by the same parents in the same home, you know, they just, we're just wired differently. Yeah. You know, we're all, we're all unique. And so I think, you know, that was uh, kind of a big thing that we had to learn is how do you, how do you parent all of your kids, but how do you parent each of your kids? Yeah. 
That's right? a really good point. Well, as we come to the end of our podcast, this is one of our favorite questions. Uh, and it's fun to just see how many people answer it similarly and differently. And this is, Jason, if you were sitting down across the table with your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself about preparing to lead? Get ready for six <laughs> babies coming in, in a few years. Um, no, I would, you know, it's interesting because at that point, my 20-year-old self, part of my story is I was I had no intention ever of being in ministry. Okay. Never even knew any anything really about ministry leadership at all. Um, I, I went to a church, you know, attended a church from kind of late elementary school through high school mm-hmm. and was active in that church, in that church, during that time, we had two different pastors, um, and uh, the first one had some moral failings and was invited to leave, and then kind of the next one came in quickly, and it was just kind of interesting. So I really didn't—I didn't even know, like, that pastors, like, were past, like the, that was their job. You know, yeah. I, mean, like, I never really <laughs> thought through that, never never cared to think through it. Mm. And so I was, um, I was dead set on being a medical doctor, so my— um, undergrad work was all pre-med. I was accepted medical school. I had my whole life really planned out. This yeah. is, I was a very kind of, um, like to be in control type mm-hmm. of a guy, very driven and, and God really broke into my life. And, and so, and it was right around that same time wrestling through crazy thing is Monica and I were engaged to be married and she, she's a PK. So she came from a ministry family and she's like, I'm, I'll never marry a pastor. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was her, her <laughs> thought and everything else. And I was like, you're good. Cause I'm going to be a medical doctor. You know, we got engaged and everything else. And then God broke in and, and for me, I mean, I negotiated hard with God. I mean, yeah. this was like a, a couple of years of my life working through this. And, um, it's one of those things where I was like, okay, God, I'll, I want to be a medical doctor. I'll, I'll go to Africa and be a medical doctor. Let's yeah. just make this happen. And for me, my journey, I had to kind of give, I had to give that up, mm. right? I had to give kind of that up. And, and it's the best thing that, that really has ever happened um, to us. And Monica even says that to this day. She's like, man, I'm so much happier. I'm, I'm married to a minister as opposed to, to a doctor. And I said, remember that whenever, you know, comes, yeah, <laughs> comes time for us to retirement. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, no, it's, it's been a blessing. So to think back to my 20 year old self, I was in a, a, a place of just like real uncertainty, yeah. but I came to this place where I really trusted God. And that's kind of been the hallmark. So if I were to, to, to say something to my 20 year old self, uh, self about leadership, it is just, hang on, um, just be obedient, just listen and trust God because he's got this. Mm. And, um, and at that point in my life, that was hard to hear because I had always been so kind of hands-on and driven and in control, but just kind of, Hey, it's okay to let go and to, um, to let God lead. You know what I mean? That's we're, we're best at being leaders when we're letting God lead us, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. So um, it's a good word. Yeah. Very good word. Well, thanks so much for being here, uh, for hanging out with us, for doing uh, some great sessions for us, for new churches, as well as for Ministry Grid. We're so thankful you came in and that we got to spend a little extra time because you crushed it. (laughs) Uh, So thanks so much for being with us. uh, And thank you guys for listening as well. Uh, Please go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.
Wait, guys, before you go, I want to tell you about one of the best podcasts in our network called Established Church. So if you go to iTunes and do a little search for EST. Yeah, or any other podcasting app. Or any other podcasting app. We're a little partial sometimes. (laughs) Um, If you go there, you look for them, you are going to find a great podcast about leading established churches. And these guys are there in the trenches. They're in churches that are normal churches. I know sometimes people will listen to to, to some of the guests on our podcast and say, Hey, that's a giga church. That's not even a mega church. That's a giga church. Or what's this guy know about leading in a normal church? Well, these guys know normal church, and they talk about real problems and real issues in established legacy churches. It's led by Micah Fries, Josh King, and Sam Rayner. You definitely want to check it out. Please subscribe and then rate and review that thing as quick as you can. <laughs>